0: Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums, such as the Smithsonian Museum, of African American history and culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family slave name, which is Killebrew. My dad, Dr. Terence Kilrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So, without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. Hi, my name is Leslie Gilliam. I'm originally from Wilmington,
1: Delaware, um, and I live in Los Angeles now. Mm. So I don't know if this is but I went from um, Wilmington to to Atlanta, to Clark, to Chicago, to New York, and then I've landed here.
0: That's right. And we know each other because my sister went to Clark and you went to Clark. Yes. So that's the, yes, that's the crew. So, yes. And do you identify as black or African American or how do you identify? I identify as black.
1: black. For sure. Yes, I, I think normally, yes, I'm like, I'm a black woman. I don't yeah. I very rarely say African American. I say I'm a black woman.
0: Yeah. And what would you like to share about your ancestry? <laughs> well, what's interesting, I'm black, black,
1: black, 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 as far as I'm concerned, right? Everybody <laughs> in my family is black. But I did a 23 in me. <laughs> and it turns out I'm basically bl- like blood DNA, 50, 50, essentially. Oh. Yes. I think I'm like, I think 40, am I mostly black? I think it's really close, but yes. But as far as I'm concerned, no matter what's in my DNA, I consider myself a black woman. You know, I, I attributed to it that like some of my ancestors were slaves, you know, under the mixed blood that way. But for sure, like I'm a black woman.
0: Absolutely. I want to do the 23andMe because I found out my mom told me my great great grandmother was an Irish woman. So I'm curious to know what my percentages are. You should see because mine is definitely
1: um, Irish and English. Right. And so, but what's funny because I was like, I used I, when I was thirty, I went to Spain. I was like, I wonder. I always like Spanish culture. I was like, I wonder if I have any Spanish in me. Nope. Uh, you're you guys are Jamaican, right? Yeah, on so, the mom Jamaican. side. And I yeah. love, love, love Jamaica. Like I would go. I want to like live there one day. I just love everything. And so, all my twenty three of me, there was like, there's a two percent chance that some of your ancestors came from Jamaica. I was like, uh, I knew it was something.
0: I, oh, knew I love it. that. I, knew it was something. I need <laughs> so, to do yeah. it. Um, I yeah, I plan to do it this month. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And so now I'm really excited to hear what you would like to share about living and working during the pandemic. And if you could just start in 2020 and just tell us what life was like and go through 2021. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um,
1: I think the, the biggest word that comes up for me is just, it was intense. So, you know, I remember hearing, I remember hearing about it and matter of fact, another friend of mine, Nadine, another Nadine, and who lives in Brooklyn, she called me and she was like, so how are you guys doing out there with the the COVID or the pandemic? I was like, girl, I'm not worried about that. I think there's one person up in like, you know, Oregon or something like I, it wasn't really on my radar, right? So I have two children, I'm a single mom, I have two kids. My oldest is 10 and my youngest is four. My oldest, goes to a private school and the principal, you know, I think he's a strong principal, but he kind of, he's very smart and he knows everything that's going on. So I just, okay, so let me actually back up a little bit. So I remember I was getting my hours. So I'm an MFT, a marriage and family therapist, licensed now, but in order to get licensed, you have to get hours. So I worked at a mental health uh, clinic and I remember we were all talking about it. And I remember one of my colleagues there her dad was um, dealt with diseases and everyone was, now it was like we were getting to hear about it a little bit more. There's now a case here, there's now a case there. And she was like, we need to shut down. We need to shut it down. And I remember saying, well, I was like, well, my son's school isn't closed yet. So I'm not worried about it. And like I said, I had 3000 hours to get, I, I was, I was, I think 50 hours away from being able to apply for licensure when all of this talk is happening, right? So I'm like, I'm not worried about it. Two days later, I get an email from my son's school from the principal saying, we will be closed for a month, right? And I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, you know, I have clients to see, you know, what am I going to do with my son being home from school? You know, I, what it just did it, it wasn't like registered. I was like, why would he make us be closed for a month? Mm -hmm. And then my youngest son at the time was kind of two. And so he was kind of home anyway. And I had a nanny and this, that, and the other, but I was just like, what am I going to do? And then I started wearing a mask at work. And then finally, that's when everyone said, okay, now it's lockdown." So that's when you had to kind of stop going places. But before lockdown, I remember my mom, my mom lives here too. I remember going to the grocery store a lot and just getting us a lot of food. And we were so scared because we didn't want my mom to go. My sister lives out here too. So I was just racking up all of the groceries. I, was one, I wasn't hoarding the toilet paper, but I definitely was getting a lot of stuff, right? I definitely was in that fear of, like the food was going to run out. I definitely was in that fear. So I'm home with, my, with, with the boys. And it's just like, it's just a very uncertain time, right? You don't know what's going on. Luckily, I don't know how they knew, but my son's school, they had already put, started doing online learning. So they already had some protocols in place. So he was able to get right online, right? Kind of right away. <laughs> but I'm navigating that. Like sometimes the Zoom passwords wouldn't work.
0: Like sometimes,
1: oh. so it's so stressful being like, how am I going to get him to be with his teachers and this, that, and the other? So that was very stressful. And I also learned that I'm a terrible teacher. You know, what I mean like I cannot teach my son math and I had to do some repair you know to try to be like you know because I would kind of get like frustrated like well why don't you understand this and I realized that like I'm not a teacher I can't teach him certain things so there I had to do some repair work with that but it was very a very very stressful time and the school did the best that it could to try to be like okay parents we don't need you these are the links that your kids have to go on but the, like I said, the links would always work. So I'm yeah. helping my eight-year-old at the time and then kind of navigating his younger brother playing. And, and Benjamin's dad would come over and help me a lot because by then, probably a week into, because it was March 20th when everything shut down, probably like a week later, that's when my nanny was like, I, c- I don't feel like I, I can't come anymore. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, of course. So then I just had to, to let go and I did see a client a couple of times. And I was able to finish my hours, but I would say overall that first month for sure was incredibly stressful. It was, mm. it was incredibly stressful. Um, but like we managed, online school was not, it was hell, but we managed. And then I'm trying to think of, then you have the summer did Julian, I think Julian did go to a couple of, a, a couple of camps, but, oh, and so then, so yes, in the summer camp, and then I, it's almost like, then you get used to the pandemic in a way, right? I would go see my mom with the mask on. Um, George Floyd happened, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that, like what's going on and like going to my mom's house and watching that on the TV, you know, talking to her about it and crying about it. Cause I, I watched the video. She didn't, but I couldn't hug my mom right because of um, all you know because it was just so uncertain
0: yeah about
1: how it's tra- it's transmitted but I remember that like I couldn't hug her yeah you know so I remember that and then and then as time went on it's like I, I do have good memories of it you know we were all together I remember looking at both of my children and being like and I think by this time Benjamin was maybe three and Julian was I mean, I don't know, maybe it's still too innate, but I remember being so grateful that I had two, mm. right. Even though there's an age gap, but they still did play together. They could still, you know, engage with each other. And I could, you know, have a little bit of time to go and, you know, cook dinner or do, do whatever. And they could play, they had a playmate, mm-hmm. right. Because my sister, like I mentioned, my sister's here and I have a niece and nephew and, um, They were very close. So we kind of thought we were going to hang out together. But in California, they had this thing. No, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. Do not see other families. Stay with your own family. So we stopped even being able to see the cousins. But I remember like talking to other parents and me who had only children. And they were like, it's really hard. I have to engage with my child all day. But I remember looking at my children being like, I'm so glad that they have each other. And I was really grateful to have a backyard because we had a lot of picnics out there and we were able to do kind of creative things and you know, do things like that. I still have like artwork hanging in my house that Julian did make via online that I helped him with. So there was definitely some sweet moments. Um, Oh my gosh, so that was like 2020 and then 2020. I mean, and we did, did like, we went to Palm, we did do things to kind of get out of the house eventually when things kind of loosened up a little bit. But I think as far as career wise, I finished my hours, I took three months to study. So this was, so I took the summer off to study and then I, a little longer than the summer to study. I finished my last client like in in July. Then I took July and August to study, July, August and September to study. And then I took my test in October. That test is really, really hard to take. It's really, it's already hard. It's the MFT test. It's already hard. But then imagine being in a room with a mask on, right? So you're in there with a mask on and I was in a small room. You obviously, you can't talk. I'm hearing people type. And then normally they would give you ear like buds to, to block out all the noise. But because they did, again, they didn't know how it was transmitted and they were being extra careful. They gave those like little like air plugs in that didn't work. So oh. I'm here. it's just so many distractions. But I did finish the test. I cried a few times, being like, "I'm gonna fail this test," but I didn't, <laughs> and I got through it. But I definitely gave myself like a pat on my, the back. Like, you got through this pandemic through you passed your MFT exam in the middle of a pandemic with your, you know, oldest son in um, online school. You, sometimes being a teacher, like you, d- you know, you did it. So I definitely felt proud of myself for being able to do it. But it was hard. Yeah. It was definitely hard. So then top of 2021, that's when I um, started my private practice online via Zoom, right? I don't think I had ever, towards the end in July, when in June, when I was meeting with clients, I maybe did like a couple of Zoom calls, but I had no idea how Zoom worked. I didn't know. I was completely, like, I didn't have good Wi-Fi in my house. I didn't have any of that and because what it was was I would have to lock myself in my room while my kids were out here and I'm trying to see my clients. It was a mess because my Wi-Fi back there wasn't working. I had to get a whole new Wi-Fi system. So I start my private practice during the pandemic and figured out Zoom, figured out a portal. I use simple practice, but it it was just kind of like a little bit trial by error. Like you're, someone said this perfect quote, like, um, what was the, I'm not even going to give it justice, but it was like, you're, you're, you're driving the ship as you're learning how to drive it or something like that. That's not the right way to say it, but it was just like, I was just grasping. So just to enter this world, as I'm looking at you, like to do therapy, where really the only therapy I knew was being in a room with somebody, reading someone's body language, all of that, I'm sitting there having to like, navigate a screen, having to navigate technology, you know, all of this while like my children are, are in a different room and all of that, where usually I would, you know, my kids would be at school. I would be in an office, like what I normally know. Right. So it was definitely, it was, it was a doozy, but people were, it worked like you built, I built a, a private practice quite quickly than I think I normally would because a lot of black folks were ready to do therapy. I think there was something between the pandemic the racial reckoning or whatever we want to call it, I think people being able to be at home to be like, be, perhaps being isolated or especially couples because I work with individual and couples. I think they were just like, it's time. Mm-hmm. And so many clients, everyone all of a sudden wanted a black therapist, mm-hmm. right? And so I became full, like I'm always like, oh, you're a black therapist. I'm giving your number so I can give you a referral
0: because mm-hmm. so many, it's
1: wonderful, right? Because we're getting work you in, know in, in our folks, right? Our community is getting their needs met, mm-hmm. right? But p- prior to the pandemic, you, you hear about how hard it was to build a, a private practice because just there the the demand wasn't there, whether it was like, you know, or perhaps the stigma of, of therapy within the black community. But that was the, the like, yeah, it's like to be you're looking and a lot of my clients, like they don't live close to me, so I think Zoom is here to stay in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. But that's what I found to be quite amazing of like, we're going to therapy now oh,
0: I am so happy to mm-hmm. hear that because I talk about how my dad was a clinical psychologist he had a PhD oh. in psychology and my parents met in graduate school getting master's degrees in psychology so for I me we never talked about it when we were in college but I was I've been in and out of therapy my whole life I'm like oh I need advice I'll go to a therapist and I as I was talking to friends, I learned a lot of my black friends are like, you're in therapy, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with me. I just need another perspective. So I'm so glad that black people are going
1: to therapy now. Yes, I mean, George, George Floyd, it was so hard, right? It was so hard, but I think it was an awakening of like, wait a minute, we have trauma y'all. You know what I mean? And it's like, we don't have to deal with this on our own. We don't have to, you know, let the Lord take care of everything. You know what I mean? Or, yes. you know, or we don't have to carry everything. It's okay that we can be tender too. It's okay that we can take care of ourselves in that way. So yes, it's, it's coming in droves and I'm very, very, very happy about I'm, it.
0: I'm ecstatic to hear that. Yeah. I'm going to keep telling people, go to therapy, Black people go to
1: therapy. And the thing about this, I think what's happening is I think that more Black people are actually are getting trained. Right. Because what's also I noticed during the pandemic and maybe it was always there, but I just noticed it more on Instagram. You have more therapists having a social presence. So that's bringing mm. it into more awareness uh, because, you know, Instagram was everything. was It was a lot of people's lifeline during the pandemic. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, like you have people that give like little like tidbits. You know, little because therapy you shouldn't necessarily give advice, but like you give empowering ways to navigate life, right? She'll give like little tidbits of it. And I think it was just like that allowed for more awareness of a okay, I can do therapist and awareness of, oh wait, I could enter this field and really make a career of this. So I'm noticing more black therapists popping up. And I think people going to school. My sister actually decided to um, do this as well. So she started, so what was interesting with her is that I, when I went to Antioch, I went to Antioch and got my um, master's. I was, we were all in in person. Her experience was all online. She did every single one of her classes online, right? So that was really, really interesting. But like in her, like, I think she had a more diverse
0: class. Like, yeah, there was more Black people
1: coming up and doing this. So it's great.
0: I love that. I was just looking, Did did you know Serena Robinson at Clark? I don't know. No, he uh-uh. was friends with Nadine. I met her through Nadine uh, their freshman year. But Serena also, she became a marriage family therapist no, in Serena! Atlanta.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Serena, yes. Serena texted me because I remember when I posted on Facebook, I was like, y'all, I passed, like tears and everything. I passed. And Serena texted me and she was like, Leslie, she's like, I'm doing the same thing. We need to talk. And like a couple of, you know, when I finished, did she finish?
0: Yeah. Oh, she's my god.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh, I gotta text her because we just had a, t- we just had um a group text yesterday about going back to homecoming. Um, she's not on there. I need to put her on there. But yeah, oh my god, okay. I'm, yes, yes, Karina did it.
0: I love that. Two black women therapists. Yes. Is, is Clark having in-person homecoming this year? Yes, cause yeah. Because we were all trying
1: to go last year when we thought it was gonna, you know, because there was a, mo- there were a couple moments last year we thought it was gonna be okay. Yeah. We were so excited. We were like, oh my God, to be around people again. And then it was that bad, something happened. I don't, there were all of these memes. Delta, it was Delta. They were like, ooh, Delta's really been messing up for all the, the HBCUs or, you know, the real Delta variant. <laughs> you know, they had all these memes, you know, playing off of, you know, the Black sorority, Delta. Yeah. We had like a white woman <laughs> in a Delta sweater, like, uh-oh, here's a Delta variant. I remember seeing all that. Like this is about to ruin homecoming. And then we all made the call, like, let's not go. Let's not go. But this year they were like, it's on, so we're going. But interestingly enough, I do remember the beginning of this. Um, when it happened, right, there was, a, there was a group of people that I know out here that had a party. It was like a baby shower or something. And it was like a family event. I knew several of the women that were there. And then there was one of their mothers that came to that event. She died, and that's when we really knew how mm-hmm. serious it was, right? So it was just kind of like that marker, and that was probably like in April of oh, 2020. Wow. So, yeah, luckily, um, I did. I wish I knew her name to kind of give, um, you know, honor to her, yeah, but um, no, I didn't know anyone too personally. My mom had a friend that he lived in, I think, in one of the islands, he did die, but no, I didn't personally know, yeah. So, one thing I will say, like I said, my youngest. Son's father, uh, my co-parent, he um, was helpful, but what was also very difficult was our various concerns about the pandemic, right? So I'm like getting all of these messages from Julian's principal to be like, my oldest, like please stay in the house, please you know get vaccinated, do all that. I'm vaccinated, my whole family's vaccinated. Uh, my co-parent, he was just like he chose not to get vaccinated. Right. He <laughs> had Benjamin in bouncy houses during the pandemic. Right. And so that was just also a very, because I had to realize I was like, there are some things that are just not going to be in my control. Right. Like when he goes with his father, his father's going to, you know, take care of him. But there are just, there was a very different way of navigating this. Right. And that's what I was just like, okay. I have to let go at some point, but that was very stressful. I had my best friend who was out in Delaware. She would come visit me. And I had extreme anxiety every time that she would come visit, visit me because she lived in Delaware. They had different rules than LA. So she'd be around more people and doing this. Like it was just very stressful. So that's the one thing I thought might've been important. It's just If you ever have like a single mom or someone that's co-parenting, navigating that piece of like being like, oh my God, my parent is looking at this, my co-parent is looking at this very differently than I am and the stress that that had to, that, that did impact us. So I just Absolutely.
0: thought about that. I'm glad you yeah. brought that out. Cause that's not something I would have thought to ask about. And it's very interesting. Yeah. Like everyone had very
1: different ways of navigating this pandemic. Some people like, I remember my best friend being like, cause I was, I went to visit her. I went to meet her and her husband in Colorado and Colorado was having a surge. And I was like, oh my God, my mom was like, I don't think you should go. And I was like, maybe I wouldn't go. I had all the stress about like bringing home the virus to my children. I would be in like a bar with like my mask with the straw underneath. It was insane. But she just was just like, I don't know. At some point you just have to live because she had had it. And she was like, it wasn't bad. She was like, at some point you just, she was like, you have to do what feels right for you. At some point you have to live. In January, Benjamin, my youngest did get it. Oh, he he was fine. And I I wore a a mask in the house for a half an hour. And then finally I was just like, I can't take it. And I, I was just like, you know what? Let me just get it. Like Benjamin, I was just like, you know, he would cough on me. I would sip out of his same straw. Like I was kissing. I was like, he was my four-year-old baby, but I didn't get it. <gasps> so it was, it's very, just very, but, but the truth <sighs> of the matter is once he got it and once I was realizing, okay, my children, we can get past it. I wasn't as stressed, I will say. So I'm, I'm just saying, I'm saying all of that to say, like everyone had very different versions of the uh the anxiety of the pandemic is one thing I really noticed, whether it was regional where you were um or just like or even like familiar fam- families, right? like some people didn't get uh my sister's ex he didn't get vaccinated and the stress that they went through, right? So it's just very interesting
0: overall. It is, and you didn't yes. get it. see that's how we still don't know when people get it, why people get it. That's what I'm saying. You just
1: never know. I just, I find it just so interesting. I was like, was it a a negative, a wrong test? Because we were all sick. Me, Julian, and Benjamin, we were all sick in the house. We've all tested that Saturday. We were negative. The following Saturday, we, I gave myself two antigens. I was negative. Then the following Saturday, Benjamin tested positive. It was so strange. So you never know. Yeah. Huh. So Anyway, so that was just a weird, like, a, an afterthought that all of a sudden I thought about.
0: No, thanks. More of effect. Yeah. yeah. no, thanks for sharing that about getting it, and and he's better now. So he's,
1: he was fine. He had like a little bit of congestion, and he has congestion anyway because he has allergies. Yeah. So when he got it, I was like, "What?" I had to. I remember I had to run and get my other Julian, his brother, from a play date. They were all stressing out, but then luckily everyone was negative. But Julian had to stay home from school. It was just all everything was just a mess. But we got through it, and then I was able to be less anxious about it because I was like, "Okay, this is kind of what it is." But be careful, because my good friend out in Chicago, she and her husband got it recently, and she said she was exhausted for eight days. This was like two weeks, two weeks ago. So it's still kind of
0: people are still getting it. I got it at the end of January. You did? I, was, I had okay. a cold and I was also exhausted. Like I, I had like shortness of breath, but I, but okay. not that I had to go to the hospital. I just sort of just sat still for 10 days, basically. Okay. So, yeah. oh, so
1: it was hard for you. Yeah. Okay. See, that was so interesting. Yeah. It was like Benjamin, he didn't even have a fever. He had a couple of sniffles, not even a sniffle. He was just congested and that was it, but you oh. were struggling. So yeah, I just sat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you took care of yourself. You took care of yourself. So
0: I'm glad you thought yeah. of that. I I haven't. I forget to ask people if they got COVID. So thanks for bringing. That. Oh
1: yeah. Yes. You probably. Yeah. That's. I think because that does. That changed everything for me. To be honest, because I think it does take the fear out of it. And I remember. <sighs> I remember talking to Julian's principal. I was like, "Please don't raise the tuition." Like, we have been home with these kids. Please don't raise the to tui- tu- you know, the tuition. And I was like, "You have to understand. Like, we parents, like, we have been living with a constant anxiety about are we going to live and die? What does that mean for our, you know our kids? Like, there was just constant anxiety overall. That I think not only through the pandemic, it was just like the the bodily stress, like." the emotional stress, all of that, just wondering, like, are you going to die? Is are, Can you give it to your elderly parents? Can you give it to your kids? Will you get long COVID? All of that anxiety. But it did change when I, when I witnessed my son get it and we were okay and I didn't get it. I did think, like, I'm not going to lie, a part of me did think about, okay, the people that are kind of living their lives kind of, like, like, it's not a big deal. Maybe they have something going on because this anxiety stuff is too much. Yeah. It's too much. So yeah. everyone had a different experience. Hence you he, doing this project. So I do remember kind of like the kind of bit of the bit of a divide of like the parents that had all this fear because we want our kids to go back in- to school. So we have to be extra safe. And my friends that didn't have kids that were just like, we kicking it. I got my <laughs> that quarantine crew. We're doing this. So I do remember that divide too. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So. It wasn't yeah. that great though. There's still a lot of loneliness. Even though I, I had like the, the weekly quarantine crew, it was, I mean, it was yeah. cold and I, yeah, wow. I guess it's like all good and bad on all sides. On all sides. That's why it's so, like
1: I said, I know I keep on saying it, but it is so good that you're sick. I can't wait to like to see this final project just to hear <sighs> the different voices because I am curious about everyone's experience and to see it all kind of in a collection is going to be fascinating. Inter- yeah, interview a barber, because I think that was a whole, I remember some barbers, at least out here, like they had to shut down. They were like, no, we're going to keep it open. Anyway, I do a barber who kept it open, didn't care he didn't care about the pandemic. He did, somebody I know, his barber, he died from COVID, you know, no. or I'm going to be honest, I don't know if it was somebody I know, if I heard a news story of a barber that refused to, to close it, but then it did end up dying. But yeah, oh, definitely wow. interview a barber.
0: Thank you. Yeah, but oh my gosh, so this is Sonia.
1: It was so nice talking.
0: Thank, to you. This is so exciting. Thank you,
1: luckily. You're welcome, Sonia. I'm so glad I did this. And this I'll is, send you people. I'll send you people as, it, as they come in. As I think
0: I, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. So thank you. You're welcome. I have a, a good night. <laughs> okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to my conversation on this episode of Black America and COVID, an oral history project. If you enjoy the episode, then please give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. The more five stars the podcast has, the more visible it is, the more access I have to people who would like to share their story living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are a Black American and you would like to share your experience with me, then email me at sonykillerbrew at gmail.com. The emails in the show notes of the podcast. Or direct message me through my Instagram account, black America and COVID, all one word, all lowercase. If you are a non-black American and you would like to memorialize the life of a black American sadly lost during the COVID-19 pandemic, then email me as well. This episode was written, produced, and audio engineered by me, Sonia Jean Kilbrew, podcast host and executive producer. Thanks for listening to my oral history project, Black America and COVID.